Hello everybody, welcome to On The Line, episode 11. That's me, Jack, and my co-host. Gavin, yeah, 11 episodes already, that is mental, isn't it? I mean, it feels like very, very short period of time ago when we were just doing the first one and talking about doing this podcast, and all of a sudden we're on 11. It seems time goes by quickly. We're so, 11 down, yeah. I'm uh, I'm just going to put it all out there for the audience and say that we're a bit thrown off because we just recorded for 15 minutes without me hitting the record button. Absolutely <laughs> so, amazing dress so, it, was like, it was an absolutely incredible hustle. I don't know why I can follow that up. I'm not <laughs> I know, yeah. We did, we've got it pretty much perfect the first time. There's no you way know, it's going to be perfect. You can't what I was saying. You know, it was all, you know, the audience <laughs> yeah, working. Yeah. Gab was clear as crystal. Was clear as crystal, which is yeah. never going to happen again. So, um... <laughs> oh well. Well, we'll try and do it just as perfectly the second time. Yep. Our schedule is quite limited, audience, because there's not been much going on the last week. Obviously, the US Open ended last week, so there's not been much going on in the interim. However, mm-hmm. we will be covering the finals of the US Open. We will cover some of the stuff that's happened this week, including a challenger to i think and a 250 tournament on the men and women's tours and then we'll maybe look at a quick preview for some of the upcoming tournaments so we can start with the us open final on the men's side yep djokovic v medvedev yep straight sets to medvedev uh went not a lead balloon so much because there was still some good stuff in the match but um it went, went overwhelmingly in medvedev's favour quite surprisingly mm-hmm. uh, Djokovic definitely feeling the pressure of the calendar slam to some extent he wasn't able to move particularly well resorting yep. to serving volleying instead of playing from the baseline Medvedev amazing tactics throughout in fairness to him and I think even if Djokovic had been in full non-pressure filled health then mm. he might have still struggled genuinely yes. like the way Medvedev played from the, the, the start was just super confident. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if you look at his route through to the final, um, look at all the other slams he's won this year. I know he had the difficult match against Fritz in uh, Australia, mm-hmm. but I use the French Open as a big example. Roland Garros. If you look at how he played against Tennis Sangren in his first round, he was literally perfect. And from mm-hmm. there on, in, he had a very good first week. And then he gets to the second Monday and it becomes a bit tougher. But he's got the energy to get through to that difficult second week against uh, Massetti. Berrettini, Nadal, Tsitsipas, because he had such a good first week. Here, mm-hmm. I must admit, when the draw came out, and so he had that Nishikori match in the third round, alarm bells did start to ring because he didn't have a very favourable draw. Certainly not. It wasn't the kindest draw. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and when he when he dropped the first set to Rune, you know, in that or second set rather to Rune in the first round match, um, I'm thinking, uh, this this isn't good. And then I know a lot of people are making out, oh, but you know, he's he's getting through these matches, but it's about the energy factor you're forgetting. You know, he's in, into his thirties now. He's not the same player that he was even in 2013, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know he's far older, and it's going to be more difficult for his body to to recover from those matches. And he's got the mental pressure of having to go for history. So I was worried. If you look at into the Olympics, how he kind of collapsed against Zverev, you know, kind of didn't deal with the pressure very well. I, I had my doubts about the US Open, uh, I'm not going to lie. But I was kind of worried as well. I thought Zverev would win the whole thing. When mm-hmm. he was drawn to play Zverev, I was like, oh, he's not going to get through this. And he did. And when he got through that, even when he got through that, a lot of people were saying, oh, that was, that was the big match. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because he's had to go five sets to, to win that. And he's got to play a final, and he's got everyone looking at him. Uh, 
you know, yeah. a lot of pressure on him to win that final, and he's got history on the line. Rod Laver flew in for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, donned in his Laver cap. Donned in his Laver cup. Uh, his Laver cup cap, yeah. Which I'm sure he just loved wearing. It looks good. Um, <laughs> he's got like Brad Pitt there pretending to be a tennis fan for three hours, which is uh, he just seemed to love. Um, wonder they must have been very lucky in the ballot for tickets or whatever. I mean, surely that yeah. has nothing to do with a celebrity status. But, no, um, no, definitely not. Rant over about that. Uh, but yeah, no, I think um, it's been a great year for Novak, regardless of him not getting the uh, getting the, the calendar slam. It's but, still been Novak's year, in my oh, opinion. It has. Yeah, I think yeah. the Roland Garros was the big one for me because that winning every single slam twice—that that's such a huge distinction. You know what I mean? Yeah. On the men's side, and of course, I was actually thinking about this. You know, winning the first three slams of the year—that's not happened this century, I don't think, in the men's side. Even in no, Santos' he's not won. He obviously didn't win the French. So, um, mm. yeah, uh, that that's incredibly special in itself. Um, yeah. It's definitely been his year. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. He just he fell a bit short. The the pressure certainly. We saw him slapping his legs in the second set to try and get them moving. A pretty good indication that he was struggling to move, probably because of the pressure. Yeah. Um, certainly the last five matches must have taken something out of him, or the last four matches even must have taken something out of him because he, he dropped the set in every one of the first set in every one of them. Yeah, he dropped and even f- during the tournament, he didn't seem that relaxed to me. You know, even if you watch his first press conference after the win match, he seemed very much on edge and not yeah. very happy. You know, the Nishikori match, he, that's probably the one you'd want to play at night, and he's got that during the day, so he's got to deal with a shadow. And then he's got Brutsby, a home favourite. He was never going to get the support for that. Um mm. He's got to deal with the crowd there. Um, so it's very, it's very, very difficult for him. And um, he handled the pressure admirably well throughout the season. Uh, I know everyone said he had that kind of outburst against Grinio Boost, and Grinio Boost sort of turned into like the moral authority figure that everyone held him up against. And what happens? Grinio Boost loses it the first round. He obliterates his racket. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, <laughs> guessing Pablo kind of disappointed himself there with his perfect behaviour record. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I hate it when players do that because, you know, when Cunha Busta made that comment, I'm like, watch his match against Nishikori in the show. Yeah, it's open one. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. He absolutely, he was atrocious. I mean, you wouldn't see that in the club tennis courts of an under 15 tournament, let alone a professional tournament. So, yeah. I think Pablo needs to maybe sort out his own behavioural record. Um, mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, Pablo will. Yeah, he's not listening to it, is he? Let's be honest. If he is listening to if it, brilliant. To it, yeah, give it a wee retweet <laughs> or whatever. Um, take it all back if you're a hidden <laughs> partner. Um, I'm available, but yeah, um, no, I think he's handled the pressure well throughout the season. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see what he does now. Will he play Indian Wells, for example? Yeah. Will he bother playing Paris? I know. I think he'll play the World Tour finals. I think he wants to get number one. Yeah, uh, year end number one. But it's like, how is he going to schedule it now? Because I don't know if he's going to play Indian Wells and Paris. I'm not so sure whether that will happen. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. I saw an interesting uh, tweet the other day, actually that said that if the rankings freeze wasn't in place, Medvedev would be number one at the moment. But I think a Novak Fanatic, who was good at maths, did the maths and worked out that he wouldn't quite, but I didn't do that right? the maths. I didn't do the maths to check it out. Yeah, one of the, one of the Novak fans did, apparently. All right. Um, they, the might, they, might have, they might have skewed the numbers. I, I, could, I could see Medvedev being number one. He's got, you know, World Tour Finals with a clean a clean clean sweep there and the mm. Paris Masters and you know Toronto and 
uh, the US yeah. Open now. It's quite quite well, a few. I'm, I'm not going to do the maths because I've failed my higher yeah. maths. So <laughs> I'm not the man to ask about that. But um, either way, it's yeah, all what ifs. It's, yeah, it's what ifs, isn't it? The ATP ranking yeah. system's a mess anyway, and it always has been a mess. If you watch that Guillermo Villas documentary on Netflix, you'll find out just how much of a mess it was back in the seventies. But um, no, I mean, I think. I think Medvedev and Djokovic are definitely one and two, whatever order you choose to put them in. Oh yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's up to you really. But um, yeah. for me, those two have been the best by by quite a considerable distance in terms of consistency as well. I know Medvedev had a pretty poor clay court season, but when you're reaching the quarters of uh, Roland Garros, pretty good poor major run. Yeah, you, that, you know what I mean. I know. Yeah, that that's like that's him underachieving at the moment. Yeah. Um, and and four, even four friends at Wimbledon during the play court season for tennis TV and all that, and you know the Rublev video in Rome. You know when he's asking to be default. I mean, he's hilarious. Oh, he's, he's, he's such brilliant. a character. Honestly, the, the dead fish celebration had me gutting myself. Yeah. No, no pun intended. That was uh, had fun, me yeah. gutting yeah. myself. It was so funny. Yeah, um, no, that that was brilliant. And just as you know, his press conferences, he's, he deals with it very, very well. You know, he's got a good personality and. Um, yeah, what's not to like about the way he plays either? I love the way he hits the ball flat. You know, it's very rare to see someone hit the ball as flat as he does and, yeah. you know, be consistent. So I quite like watching that. Um, yeah, it's a bit impressive. of a change-up. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's... I think, you know, I was reading an interview with Gilles Savara. He was talking. He was asked a question about will he have the sort of come-down that Dominic Team had? Mm-hmm. He said no because he's got this process of it's like there's natural progression. So he wins like a 250 next level is a 500 and he wins a 500 next level of Masters. When a ma- Masters next level is slammed and after that he goes, you want to be winning more slams and you want to be uh, ensuring that you're always kind of in the best shape possible to win the Masters. All of a sudden you're expecting yourself to win Masters rather than hoping to win Masters. So it was very mm. interesting to read that. I think he's got the right mindset. Yeah, so it's like always been an upward trajectory sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. What, what was the other part of, the, what was the other quote again from Dio yeah, Savannah? So he was talking about the two first serves you know that Medvedev went for in the final and uh, obviously he deployed it right from the get-go and mm-hmm. uh, Savara said I think that he talked to him about it but he was surprised at how early he'd chosen to do it mm-hmm. you know and I was watching that final and I must admit it had shades of sort of Pete Sampras <clears throat> about it just how dominant he was in his serve mm-hmm. um, you know I was reading a book about Sampras this week written by Steve Flink it's called uh, Greatness Revisited and Sampras talks about especially from 1998 onwards Paul Anacone telling him to go for two first serves, you know, going really big in the second serve. And he said that actually helped him a lot in his latter yeah. part of his career. It's a good read, that, by the way. Um, not okay. advertising yeah. for Flink, but yeah, it's a really, really good, really, really good book. <laughs> so yeah, no, I saw shades of that. And uh, even when he was love 40 down in the second set, you think, well, I think he's going to get out of it. And sure enough, two minutes later, he's got out of it. You know, it's like brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant all of it again. There was another quote from Vio Savara just saying that he was he prepared Medvedev for a ten-hour match. Yeah. Medvedev talked about the two second, the two first serves, and he was you know saying it was all to do with confidence. All of this makes me think that he is in the most confident form he's ever been in. Like he came into the match with the intention to win it rather than yeah. not to lose it. Yeah. Um. He, he you know on serve he was he was super aggressive, but on return he kind of let Djokovic beat himself, which is hard. To, you can't. Most players can't do that against Djokovic. He's got such a good rally tempo as well. He's very, yeah. very, really reckless. You know, if he misses, yeah, you know, it's not really a routine miss. Maybe it's maybe when he's trying to just maybe go a wee bit more aggressive, but it's not reckless. You know, he's not just outright trying to smack it all over the place. He's yeah. very, very tactical and methodical in the way he plays. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't, I can't think of the last time somebody beat Djokovic in a final out 
sort of playing his own game and beating him at it. Um, uh, maybe maybe Andy kind of counts, sort of. You maybe say Andy, yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly, like when Vavrinka beat Djokovic, that was just all out aggression. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Build, build, exactly. build, smack. No, pretty much actually. every Nadal match as well. It's like, yep, yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult to out rally him. I mean, it's almost unheard of, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you got to give him kudos. The guys, the guy, even if Djokovic was playing a bit sort of under pressure, I think on any other day, Medvedev still would have given him a really hard time. Might have won oh, yeah. still, Definitely. even if Djokovic Definitely. playing his best tennis because it was Definitely. it was very good tactically. I mean, it's the fact that Djokovic is such a good returner, and yet he wasn't able to make any inroads until he's he wasn't able to the touch match, it. But... Yeah. Yeah, but even when he was serving for the match, the crowd had a big part in that as well, the booing and all that, you know, I mean, I didn't yeah. like that, you know. But, I mean, it was it was nice to see the crowd on Djokovic's side. But, it was, yeah. finally, finally yeah. they're there. I don't know why it took them so long, being honest. And I'm not, I'm not one of these ones that obsesses with, like, a particular player. But as I said, you know, when he's getting booed in, like, 2011 onwards, he's not done anything wrong. You know, he's not, he's not said, like, any controversial comment. I know he did the thing with COVID, but my response to them is, well, yeah, but you've been booing him before he did the COVID. I know, stuff. yeah. Well, I know. Any, any excuse to hate I mean, him, exactly. Oh, but that's just the US Open, but look at his match against Kyle Edmund at Wimbledon. You know, he's been getting wound up. Look at when against whenever he's played better at Wimbledon, you know. Um, mm. So I think, um, yeah, it was good to see him get that crowd support. I can understand why he's emotional about it, because it's probably, he's, you know, he's clearly, it cares that much to him about what, what people think about him yeah and he's not a robot you know he's a human being he's got these emotions and um he's probably had to bottle a lot of things up to try and remain focused and i think when he knew i think he probably knew in his heart of hearts i'm not going to come through this but he struggled i think he just let it all out at that point and fair yeah, enough yeah. You know? he said it was equivalent to winning 21 grand slams yeah, the, the yeah he's very emotional so. Guy, yeah. I know, but um, don't know about that. I don't. I don't think I would think like that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's probably worn yeah. off by now. I think if probably worn that. off by now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was, it was good to see that. Um, because I've always felt, you know, when when I've been watching, especially the twenty fifteen US Open final, I've sort of cringed a wee bit at how the crowd are behaving. Like these these people don't watch tennis. They don't enjoy tennis. So that's the way they behave. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I um, ran over in that regard. <laughs> Should we yep. talk a bit about Raducanu and Fernandez's final? Yep. Absolutely the, remarkable, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a very high level. I was, I was saying in the, the blog that yep. the winner count to unforced error count was, uh, well, with forced errors included as well, mm. was at its highest since the 2008 final, I think. I think from the very get-go, I immediately was thinking, like, like two or three games in, this is one of the most enjoyable tennis matches I've watched in a long time. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know there was no clear favourite, but the way they were hitting the ball right from the start, you know, very, you know, I usually think maybe before the start of the match, you know, it might be a slow start and it will build up. Maybe by the end of the first set, we might see some real, real, real top quality stuff from both. It might take them a while to kind of feel their way in, but yeah. that didn't happen. You know, from the first point onwards, pretty much, it was really, really good to watch and um, very high yeah. quality tennis. Yeah, Raducanu in particular was absolutely obliterating the ball. Fernandez yeah. obviously is a, a bit of a doesn't hit the ball quite as hard, but she counterattacks a lot of the time, so she was able to create some crazy angles with some of her yep. shots. It, yeah, I I had the, a feeling that it was a, a good match, but looking at it statistically, it, it was actually a good match. If you just it want was. to talk about positive, Raducanu's serving incredibly well. 
as well. Yeah. Um, Better than she had the whole tournament, honestly. Yeah. Like, so she, she brought it for that final specifically. I and didn't think she we could. We both got predictions right. Okay, we both predicted the yeah, three. Yeah, we did. Wins, but, uh, you, know, two, you know, we still predicted the outright winner. So, um, yeah. Finally, finally, the man, Chilich Curse for me has been broken. <laughs> I think going into the match, Radicana was definitely the, the bookie's choice. Um, yeah. You can Just understand the, why. Uh, the raw she, power she's got from the back of the court, honestly, is seriously Wimbledon as well, hadn't she? So, I mean, yeah. there, there was that kind of um, maybe confidence that she'd done it. Okay, not on a senior major or, you know, adult major, but even beating them before in the juniors, I guess, gives you some confidence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it was, I thought that was a great match to watch. It was more enjoyable than the men's final, I thought, in terms of yeah. the rallies and stuff. And, you know, you still didn't know the result. Even when Radicani was serving for it, I thought, you know, if she doesn't, Get this done. Yeah, yeah. Good done. You know, it could done and go into a third. There was a bit of a bit of danger after she cut her leg and she yeah. had to sit off for the break point like for yeah. five minutes to get it patched up. That's crazy yeah. stuff. And then oh. to come back on and I'm sure it was a maybe a one two punch, I can't remember for sure, but yeah, was... she dealt with it very well. And I, I she had a match point on Fernandez's serve, didn't she as well before that? Two, I think, two. Like, yeah. 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 So mm. um Mark Petcher was getting his winning quotes out early and he had to put them away. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say again. Shout out to him. Like, he made that final brilliant to watch as well. The, the it, it was entertaining, yeah. He obviously actually was enjoying watching it, which always helps. Yeah, and so was Tim Hemming down there yeah. as well. Trying yeah. not to be biased, but feeling spectacularly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't even, was he even trying, actually? I can't remember now. No, I, I think he was just trying to get his voice loud enough over the... Over the speaker yeah. system was yeah, yeah. funny in itself. <laughs> it was. In the, um, the blog in particular, the, uh, Radicana's return was the thing that impressed me the most. I yeah. thought her return game, if it's going to stay like this for the rest of her career, could really take mm. her places. Pedro was talking about that. He was talking about working with her. And you know, I think he said he showed her Azarenka's return and said it's not just about blasting it all over the place and trying to win us. It's about placing the ball in the right area of the court. I'd heard, I'd heard um, something about like how Radicana sort of scouts for, for her matches. Like She does all the statistical stuff herself. Like mm-hmm. She looks into where people like to serve herself. She doesn't have yep. anybody hired for that. So she, she's a really intelligent player. Yeah, the sense of it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So really tactically astute. Um, kind of shades of Djokovic for me in the return yep. in particular because she likes to return down the middle. Just a sort of neutral, safe target, no but nice and yeah, quick. No angles for the opponent to get into the point. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the, the sort of tactical scouting and stuff also yeah. sort of made me think of Djokovic as well, able to play yeah. a really versatile game. So mm-hmm. it's exciting, Gav. But one thing I, I came to the conclusion of in the, in the blog was that let's not get too excited. Because no, I, I mean, I'm probably a realist anyway, but a pessimist. But I, I, don't, I hate it when they get carried away. Um, yeah. The British press are probably the worst for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just need to keep the feet in the ground, you know. There's a reason why in the women's game, I think it was something like nine of the last first time major winners haven't won another one or something like that, apart yeah. from Snacker. Because, you know, I just think, don't think, you know, you've got to remember there's so many good players in the women's game that anyone can be anyone any week. So I wouldn't be surprised if Radicanu maybe struggled for the rest of the year, not because she's not good enough, but just because there's such a good depth in, yeah. the, in the women's fields that, you know, she could easily get beaten by, like, uh, I don't know, for example, off the top of my head, like, uh, Camilla Georgie. Like uh, or whatever, or somebody, if she gets a bad draw in the first round, I know she's got the higher seeding now, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a lot of dangerous players in that in the women's uh, game. 
So, yeah, um, so any player in the top thirty is a dangerous yeah. matchup, and you know. Yeah, no, I just don't, you know, I just hope the British press don't start giving her grief. You know, if she starts, maybe if at Wimbledon will be the worst because they'll all say, oh, she'll be like, I don't know, Bookie's second favorite, top five favorites for it, and you know, if she goes out, I hope it's not like, oh, what a disappointment. But you've got to think of the fact of look at the quality of the women in the field. No, it's very difficult to dominate. Yeah, exactly. I mean. I'm not saying she she was in any way lucky to win the tournament at all, but three of her opponents arguably would have been better on most days of their careers. Sakari, yeah. Bencic, and Rogers. I think without the pre- that this is what Sakari sort of alluded to. She was like, you know, as soon as the pressure's on, let's see how she fares, and yeah. that that's that's a real factor. We keep talking about it. It's like, yeah, it, it affects enough. it. It does affect how people play. Week um, in, week out, being the favourite, yeah, yeah. mentally catching because you've always played players that will switch on more to beat you, and I guess that will be the same with her because you know new new uh, player winning a slam, uh, a lot of them probably wouldn't give her that much of a chance before the tournament. They're probably like, oh, she's won a slam now, and to send her a message that you know I I'm on top, you know what I mean, or I can establish myself, um, you know, as a, as a better player. But yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how she deals with it. But again, yeah. you just hope the press don't give her a lot of grief, but. It's inevitable it will happen. Oh, 100%. It's a question of when. You know what I mean? That's the yeah, thing. 100%, exactly. It's, there's only one way down as far as the, the media's um, yeah. concerned because they've, they've hyped her up to no end. Even yeah. Rosetsky sort of falls into it. It's like you've seen it oh, on Prime. It's like, as well because his job yeah. is just to disagree what, what, with whatever the other pundits are saying. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, but so he was he was like future number one, you know, multi-slam champion for certain. Just let's calm down. And see what happens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I was saying there's like five players, I think, over the last three years or so that have been about 18, 19, 20 that haven't won a second slam. Yeah, Ostapenko's won. Yeah, exactly. Ostapenko's a yeah. really good example. Uh, Svontek, Andrescu. Yeah, I'm surprised that Greg said that. Just like when you're watching it, you're thinking, come on, Greg, you watched the tour week in, week out. Pal. Yeah, you exactly. You know, you know what happens. I know. You know what happens. You know the patterns. You know it's going to be very difficult for anyone to dominate. Now she's a great player. Maybe she, maybe she will dominate. Maybe she will surprise everyone and dominate. But to just say automatically number one is starting the next thing. It's like a, it doesn't help her, and b, if it doesn't happen, yeah. everyone's going to be looking at and saying, well, "Why did you say that?" You know? I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help it's anyone, quite right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I'd, I'd love her to be number one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But whether that happens Keep or not, beating the ground. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just keep um, going. Yeah. But oh yeah, also obviously bottom line, good win for Ben Maradicaro. You know, can't take that away from her at all. So well done. Everybody just calm down a little bit and we'll see what happens. But yep. just enjoy the victory for now, at least. Yep. Um anything else to cover? The, the yeah, US? Joe Salisbury for winning the doubles. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a good yeah. final against Jamie Murray and uh, Bruno Suarez because I, I thought that Salisbury ran my favourites to go into that and Jamie Murray and Suarez started Really, really well. You know, Bruno yeah, did. really well, and then they came back well. Um, great for them to get a second slam, and I think he deserves a bit more appreciation as well. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think um, certainly think when it comes to Davis Cup, he should be the first choice doubles with, with Jamie. I think yeah, um, a thousand percent. Um, yeah. he's he's probably right up there as maybe third best doubles player in the world at the moment, right behind Matić and Pavic even. Um. Obviously, you know, he did the double doubles, the doubles double, uh, won yep. the mixed as won well. The mixed as well, yep. yeah. 
So he really is. He's he's a fantastic player at the moment. Um, and yeah, if they were going to play Davis Cup, he'd have to be right at the top of the billing for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I was super impressed the whole week. I thought he was better than he was the best player on the court uh, yeah. during that that main doubles match. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can sustain it. Maybe get to world, world number one yeah, next year. The finals last year. I remember they lost the Champions tiebreak in the semi final from being like eight two up. And I think had yeah. they won that, they would have secured year end number one or something. So that was like a gut wrenching defeat for them. Um, I remember oh, watching that. Who was that now, against again? It was was that was that. Now I think they were playing Kuhlhoff. Ah, okay. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe it was it was yeah. one of those. Well, it's one of the finalists, Gavin. But yeah, yeah so it was. I think it was them. Um, that rings a bell. I watched it. I just remember thinking, "Oh God!" You know, it was really painful. I yeah. just thought, "I hope he recovers from that quickly." And uh, well, he's had a good year. Oh, I mean, they beat Mekic and Pavic in the final in Toronto as well. So yeah, exactly. He deserved no. a slam, and and I think when Mekic and Pavic went out, they were probably the favourites, but he didn't let anything get to the heads. He just kept kept the heads down, focused, and uh, managed to win it. Obviously. Yeah. Good to see Jimmy Murray playing well again. He'd sort of been in the wilderness really good. a wee bit at the start of the year. I know with injuries mm-hmm. to Bruno and all that, but it was good to see him get to a final. Hopefully that can boost his form as well. I don't know if you saw that. Bruno hadn't played in ages because he... What was Bendicitis, it? wasn't it? Yeah, he got his appendix removed. That was yeah, it. Yeah, that. Uh, and apparently he just rocked up and played some of the best doubles he's ever played because I think that was his first tournament back, potentially. So... Yeah, the guy surprised me, I think, more so than Jamie did. I guess when they were 26, they won it in 2016, didn't they? So I guess they've maybe got a good feeling about the venue. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah. that's still impressive to come through that. Because there's a lot of depth in men's doubles as well. Loads of good doubles players. And even singles players entering the draw can cause upsets, you know, and get wins. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Stuff that's happened in the meantime, Gav, not tons really. We had Andy Murray playing a challenger. In, yeah, the Wren challenger, which I Ren. watched a bit of yesterday and throughout the week. And I must admit, the way they hype that up, that must be one of the most hyped up challenger tournaments. Have you seen that with like all the disco lights and all that? It's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's fair enough. It's quite yeah, a good. Isn't it? It, felt it was like quite a 250 level, it, actually. It was a good. Well, yeah, the lineup was a bit 250 yeah. level. That's what I was going to say. So it's kind of just Yeah, Bonzi semi final and the crowd were brilliant. It was like those. That was a good ones. match. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So quite a lot Tons of, of medical timeouts in the third set, but yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, there's no commentary in the challenger events. You you don't know what's going on, so you're just looking what the hell you know, the trap stream or whatever. The one I watched had French commentary, so I was, I, I was in the dark. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Need to upgrade um, my uh, website of choice there then. <laughs> <laughs> I like watching Render Next game as well. Actually, I, I, I it serves bizarre, isn't it? The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite weird. He gets yeah. a lot of power. And the volleying as well, he does quite a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but Bonzi won overall. He he managed to beat Martyr. No, it wasn't Martyr. Matt Matt's Moraine, I think, Matt's in Moraine, the final. Yeah. Um, but the bizarre thing is, it's his fifth challenger title of the year. Were you aware of yeah. that? Yeah, like, yeah. He's on like a fifteen. What is it like? Ridiculous winning streak, whatever. Oh, is he? I I didn't realize so, that. Yeah. yeah Moraine's quite good because I watched him play Djokovic in Belgrade uh, too. Before uh-huh. Roland Garros, and like he was actually giving Djokovic a bit of bother like, at the start of the match, got a big first serve and all that. I think he had some health issues as well, which kind of tailed like his progress. But um, yeah. yeah, no, just shows you the challenger to a level. There's so many good players, like so good to watch as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, you definitely. Know, that, it's that, a hidden gem. That makes him number sixty-one in the world now. Yep. I, so I, I can't. I don't know why he'd continue to play at challenger level for much longer at sixty-one in the world. Well, you think you know a lot of these two fifties, like for example, Mets coming up in France. You think you'd help him out with a wild card, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, they have given well, he is in the draw there. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if he I don't know if he even needed a wild card actually, but he Yeah, he probably doesn't for that. I mean there's only a twenty eight draw though. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, he's definitely there at least. Do you see any of Andy lost to Roman Safulin? I was playing myself that night actually. Yeah. Was I playing with you? I think it was actually. Is that Wednesday night? Oh yeah, let's not talk about the um, right, but... Rackets nearly smashed there, but, uh, <laughs> uh, as well. But yeah, the guy that beat him, Sefulin, is is quite a good player. To be fair, like, pretty well against Ferre, but Roland Garros. Yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I don't know about Murray personally. I mean, I, I know that I've probably said my opinion on this before, but I think he needs to play more two fifties. Mm-hmm. I think throughout the year, two fifty should be his aim. It's like a process, isn't it? I think. Um, for me, if he wants to get, if he wants to commit to singles, he has to play more. I think the problem is he's played a couple of challengers, and then you, you know he enters a Rotterdam a five hundred. It seems very sporadic. You know he's like challenger five hundred, yeah, challenger, challenger, slam. It's like well, surely you want to be playing a wee bit more two fifties in there. Um, yeah, you know, and I know he's going to play some difficult players. He's got a brutal draw in Mets this week. He's got Umber first round. Yeah, if he gets to that, it's like Bosper. So if he gets to that, it's like look at. Her catch, yeah, yeah. I think if you play more two fifties, there is going to be a week where you get a kind of draw. You no, know, I mean it's not going to be yeah. like brutal draw every week. I think you can get his weight, his ranking higher up, and the only way to get your ranking higher is if you play a two fifties over your challenges. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he is doing. I think he is doing it, Gav. Like uh, he's doing he, it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it seems like he's in good enough health to. I think he's playing San Diego as well after. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, which is also a stacked draw. He's looked at the Amazon Prime schedule. He's thought, "What tournaments in Prime I'll play them?" Clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's good for us, but uh, I, I'm not looking forward to that. You go to Mets, you know, and you, you watch that, it's reasonable time, then San Diego, it's back to the messed up time zone again. Which yeah. Is that, I'm, get, I'm guessing that's immediately preceding Indian Wells. So. Yeah, so it's, it's it's back to American brutal time yeah. zone, you know. Which, Fair yeah. enough. You can't it's, avoid it forever. Can't avoid it forever, no. Um, I thought he was okay in in Ren, but yeah, he did look a little tired. But the fact he is playing tournaments at all back to back consistently, Gav, it is it is promising. Humber in his first round. Humber's not infallible. You know he's he, not at all. No, obviously he, moments in matches you can get tight, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he's beaten with him. You know, he's beaten knows? he's beaten post op as well. You yep. know, in in Antwerp a couple of years ago. Yep. So fingers crossed for him there. We'll see what happens. Outside of the men's tournaments there was a 250 in Luxembourg also over the weekend on the ladies side mm-hmm. uh, Clara Towson won there won there the the Dane uh, she's like 18 years old which makes her I think now makes her the second youngest player in the or she always was sorry she was the second youngest player in the top 100 she beat Ostapenko in a free yep. set thriller she, she's, she's one of those players that when you watch her in full flow Honestly, looks like she's unbeatable. She's she's a seriously good player when she's playing mm. at her absolute best. Last person to beat Emma Raducanu as well. Just FYI, yep. she she was super impressive in her victory over Ostapenko. I spent an after, like earlier in the week as well. She'd been really close to going out against Alexandrova, so mm-hmm. good win for her second title of her career. I could see her keeping going up. She, yeah, she's super young. I think just past eighteen. So I think. Coco, Coco Goff's the only player that's younger than her in the top 100. Hmm. Um, she's in the outskirts of the top 50 now. Yep. I think she could just keep she could keep going. She looks like she's better than most players in yep. the top 50, personally. So, 
yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you see what happened with Coco Golf. She reached the doubles final US Open just to go back to New York. Yeah. Did, yeah, she did. Yeah. So that shows you how many good young players there are. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, good Good to see young players coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Always the question mark is how they deal with the pressure, but alternatively, if you look at it from another point of view, they, there's not much pressure on them you know, at yeah. that age. So um, mm-hmm. probably play with more freedom than they would later in their careers. Yeah, potentially. So, yeah, no, that, that's good to, to see that. At least there's been some tennis going on this week. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, it just shows you. The one other, the, there was one other 250 as well, just um, before we wrap up, that, that got played. This is the one that I struggled to say earlier, Gav, but I'm going to try. Yeah. It was the Zavaro Valnica Saba Portoros. I've embarrassed myself, but I don't care. No, <laughs> Hopefully, they know at home what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, Jasmine Paulini won our first title, beating Alison Risk. That yep. makes it five finals in a row on hard court lost for Risk. She hasn't won a hard court title since 2014. Oh. I, I, I didn't actually see much of the match to prefer Gav, so I don't know exactly how it played. Delayed. Out. Yeah, it was rain delayed. Um, oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was. Bit of a nightmare to follow, really. But uh, yeah, okay, yeah. But yeah. just just speaking of pressure and how the younger player tends not to feel it so much, this might be another example. Because Paulini, mm. I think, is only twenty-three or so. Maybe I might be wrong about that. Don't quote yeah. me. Um, but certainly, Risk, who is on the verge of thirty, I think. I'm bad at ages. Sorry. It's funny, yeah, it's funny. You know, you think of younger players. The only one I think that's got the most pressure on his shoulders, apart well, apart from Coco Golf and the women's, but in the men's side, I'd probably say Oshiali Asim. Mm-hmm. everyone yeah. seems to be criticising him left, right and centre for not winning a title yet but I would say to them, he's made eight finals Chapavalo's won a, one title true, but how many finals has he made since then? Yeah, yeah No, you know, it's none, so Ogarali seems resume is more impressive than Shapovalov's, in my opinion I think so, and I, you know, a lot of people say oh, I, you know, I think people have been asked, would you invest which one would you invest in if you had money and you were a coach, I'd, I'd actually say Ogarali seems, personally mm-hmm. um, Definitely Because I just think He's got kind of a more all-round package. I think there will be more consistency there. You know, Chapel's a great player, but, you know, it's like, how consistent can he be with his game style? Right, I mean, with that, uh, is there much else to talk about, really? Just Lever so... Cup this weekend, which I, I personally, being is honest, it, I think this it's just... Each, yeah, I just think... It, I don't like the Lever Cup, really. Um, it's a bit of a show, isn't it? It's a I'll be brutal. It's just a way to charge people an absolute fortune for I'm yeah. pretending it's the scriptedness of it. I mean, I remember Federer and Nadal doing Z-list acting, you know, pretending to be so intent on the stra- stra- strategy and all that. It's like, come mm-hmm. on, really? And you've yeah. got Federer mic'd up saying, you can do this and all that to the team. It's like, nah, just put it in the bin, pal. You know, <laughs> look at the ticket prices as well. I was looking at them. Some They're charging like over £500 for a session. Real really? I get annoyed because I think the history of the game and the Davis Cup, and I've been reading Rod Laver's autobiography and how much the Davis Cup meant at that time, and I look <laughs> at the way it's been sidelined now. There seems to be more of a deal made about the Labour Cup and the Davis Cup. And I think, well, if you want to do a tribute to Rod Laver, how about reviving the Davis Cup instead of doing this Team World, Team Europe, let's copy the Ryder Cup nonsense. Yeah. You know, and it is on at the same weekend as the Ryder Cup as well, so it's not really good for getting new fans into the game. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, yeah. Federer, I know Federer's involved in it with a teammate, isn't it? Teammate and Tony Godzik, I think, are involved in it. And yeah, they me, are. I just think, just, you know, do more about the Davis Cup. You know, why don't you just invest more and make more of a deal with the Davis Cup than do Labour Cup? Yeah, Davis you Cup's know? dying a bit of a death. It's dying definitely. a bit of a slow death, and that's the tradition of the game. You know, Rod Labour 
that was like almost as big as winning a slam to him or nearly as, you know, just as big as winning a slam, the Davis Cup. So for me, I'd rather invest time and energy into making the Davis Cup as good as it could be and reviving it than investing in the Labour Cup because, you know, it doesn't work for me the Team World, Team Europe stuff and how there's no real selection process for players. So, for example, Pedios gets into Team World, but there's no real qualification process oh, yeah, for players. Yeah, that's you know, like, look at her catch, for example. Her catch has won a Masters this year and he's not made even the reserves for Team Europe. It's like... It's I mean, uh, if it was based on ranking, I'm sure her catch would be Yeah, it is, it's almost maybe. like we'll pick, pick the players that will fill an arena rather than the ones that have got the achievements. And mm. it's not just a direct dig at Nick Kyrgios, but if you look at what, what's Kyrgios done this year and the tour to warrant a spot in that team, you'd probably say, on results, not much, you know? Nothing. So there's yeah. no real qualification process explaining how you get into the team. So no, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. Being honest, don't know what you think about it, but no, I I I, I agree with you. To be fair, Gav, but I mean, I might end up watching a few of the matches. To be fair, so I can't probably say too will much. end up watching it. To be, yeah, to be honest, yeah. but yeah. do I do I really feel the passion? No, I mean I, the commentators are desperately trying to big it up. God yeah. bless them. You see them doing it. It's like no, this isn't working. You know, you've seen Roger Federer behind the scenes saying, "Come on, you can do this." Hit to the back. Like no. He's looking at the big screen when he's seeing it as well. It's like, no, no, no. no. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy much of it. I've got it to seems say. very fake to me. The Davis Cup, I've got the first memories of watching live tennis in Glasgow, watching Davis Cup ties. There's much more invested in a Davis Cup because A, it's got a history of the game behind it. B, you've got the countries, you know, two sets of fans very into the matches. And C, that was that was another way to watch best of five set tennis outside of the Grand Slams. You know, how many great yeah. Davis Cup matches there have been? Think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons. Del Potro in the mm-hmm. Davis Cup, for example. Think of how the Davis Cup had an impact on Djokovic's career, winning it in 2010, how that gave him the confidence to go forward and have a great 2011 season. He's talked about it in the past. Um, so for me, <clears throat> I just think the Labour Cup's a waste of time. I think you've got a better tournament there in the Davis Cup. Invest in that. If you want to do a tribute to Rod Labour, hold yeah. that in higher regard. You know, yeah, I think I, agree. I think I agree with all that, I guess. Yeah. Controversial. I'm probably going to get us sued. Um, no, I like it. <laughs> a good rant to end on, Gav. A good I like rant it. to end on. And I like a bit of controversy. If anyone can make it what I'm saying, if not, I won't be sued. So that's yeah, that's, that, that's, that's true. Wanted, you've, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you've got that to cover yourself. I've got that, I've got that to cover myself. Um, <laughs> that's <right>. very true. <laughs> right, we can end on that note, Gav. We can, yep. Thank you very much for joining me again. This has been the online podcast. If you want to catch any of our work, you can go to jackedward.substack.com or you can catch some of Gav's work or Last Word on Tennis or catch yeah, some of his Twitter. If you want to put yourself to that, if you're here yeah, to if, that, you if, can if, follow if, Last Word on Tennis and you can read some articles that you may or may not agree with. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think... would understand them, so... <laughs> I don't think many of, of Gav's articles on Last Word are, are quite as a ranty as that, but... No, they're not, they're not. And... Uh, <laughs> certainly more un- you can understand which is yeah exactly a benefit, yeah. You know. it's, it's always a plus <laughs> and you've not got tons of man chillich references either <laughs> right gab thanks very much for joining me thanks very much S- for see everybody next much. time thank you yep see you next time